Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Welcome everyone to Psalm Springs. I'm Rabbi David Lazar, and we're here today at the Palm Springs United Methodist Church with Pastor Jane Voigt, my good friend. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jane. Well, Rabbi, first of all, I love the title of this program, Psalm Springs. And one of the, and one of the reasons I love it is because I come from a background in comedy. I used to be a comedian before I became a pastor, so. I love any clever touches to all things spiritual. Um, and I have been in Palm Springs for a little over a year now. I come from Des Moines, Iowa, and I uh, was just living in Iowa for the last five years, caring for my parents in the last leg of their life. And I'm in Palm Springs now as the pastor here and just loving it. And I should mention that Or Hamid Bar, our Jewish spiritual organization, has been meeting for many months in your fellowship hall, and we want to thank you uh, out loud in this way. Thank you for your hospitality. It is totally our pleasure. We love having you and uh, the opportunities for working together, dreaming together, discovering God together that that affords. And of course, laughing together. And laughing together, yes. Well, Jane, as I do every... Not that anything is necessarily going to be hilarious about this. I feel like I'm setting the bar really high, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Pastor Jane, uh, I, as I do uh, with each of our guests, I ask you to choose one of the Psalms, and you chose Psalm 8. Could you tell us why? Um, you know, I chose Psalm 8 because when I was coming back to faith uh, as an adult and was reading through the Psalms, Psalm 8 was the one that spoke absolutely directly to me. It didn't have any metaphors or any sort of biblical history that you needed to know anything about. It just spoke about the experience of, uh, of awe um, and the mystery of God that I think all of us, have had at some point in our life when we look up at the stars. And it, that was just stunning to me that this psalm captured that experience so clearly and so beautifully in just a few words. Sounds like you would call this psalm a user-friendly psalm. It is very, yes, very 21st century. Yes, it's a very user-friendly psalm. Um, grandparents and children alike can recite it, can share it, can pray it. And I think it has a lot of meaning. Okay, would you would you read for us, please? Yes, I'll be happy to. I'm going to read uh, the version, the NRSV version, the Nash, the New Revised Standard version, uh, mostly because that is the version of the Bible that Methodists generally use when they are uh, reading Scripture. So this is Psalm eight, according to the NRSV. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God, and crowned them with glory and honor. 
You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Is there something in particular, Pastor Jane, from your own past that connects you, that that made this psalm so accessible? Um, Yes, um, it is that experience of looking up at the stars and just thinking how little we are. You know, when you look up at the stars, how, how little we are in comparison to the universe and how magnificent we are that we have consciousness and can appreciate what we are seeing, which is mind-blowing when you look at the stars and you think, oh my gosh, that light comes from millions of years away and from millions of miles, and, and here I am getting to experience it. And what, then those larger questions of what am I called to do in this moment in my life with the world around me, uh, the universe? Uh, I'm, I'm little, and yet I'm a very special person at the same time. I, I've got a call. I've got a purpose. All those kind of feelings and thoughts, I think, come to mind when we're looking up at the stars. And I think that that's also captured in this psalm, the, 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 oh, Lord, how can you possibly care about me when you create all this universe? And then yet you've created me just a little below you to be able to serve you and to do great things in in this earth. And, uh, uh, And it's interesting because you don't even really need to have anybody tell you to think that. I think... It's just something that comes over us uh, naturally when we look up at the stars. Uh, a sense of awe. A sense of awe. And I was thinking, too, uh, I don't, um, that this week and these next, next couple of weeks, there's like huge meteor showers that are, happen to be in this area. And I guess up at Joshua Tree, you go up and there's, it's called a party. I'm hoping maybe to go. Uh, and that's just supposed to be this really special time of looking up at the, at the heavens and seeing, you know, a live show that you go to the, uh, you know, the whatchamajig, usually the, the dome and see the, the planetarium. You don't need, yeah, you just, just work the God's planetarium. And uh, so I thought that's really ironic that we're talking about this psalm uh, at a time when our earth is, the universe is providing the very thing that really brings this psalm to life. There's a lot of opportunities for communing with nature where we live. Yes, except when it's really hot. But that's why it's nice the with the, with the meteor shower. It's at night. It's a little cooler. It, well, it's a different kind of communion. <laughs> it is. A, it? It's yeah. a definitely different kind of communion. Yes. yes. Uh, one of the striking features from of your church is this huge window that looks yes. out on our mountains just mm-hmm. to the west of where we are. Yeah. Where the foothills of those mountains. Are. Right. And I think uh, we've spoken about it before, but the energy that we feel, uh, the inspiration we derive from being at the foot of these great mountains. Yes, oftentimes I'll ask people, you know, how have you experienced God today when we're getting ready for a meeting or something? And almost always one of the people that I'm asking that question to uh, will say, I just looked at the mountains again. And it just, there's so many different things that those mountains say to us that are so soothing and inspiring, uh, and it's just there. Yeah, but we're very blessed to have all. So you mentioned the stars and nature. Uh, what, what are some of the other parts or verses in this psalm that really stick out and, and you feel that you can hold on to? Well, one of the things that um, 
pop out to me are, are this the rather curious the second verse where the psalmist talks about children and how got you created children to be your bulwark against your enemies and that's such a um a curious passage but i was thinking almost um in the you know the christian bible about how uh, oftentimes well it's it's throughout the bible but how god often uses the most gentle seemingly insignificant people creatures what have you um to, that are the greatest that god uses to to diffuse hatred and war and violence and doesn't make any sense but uh but that's kind of how god uses lesser you know smaller things and even in the book of revelation uh there's this remarkable part i think it's in chapter 7 where all this it's up in heaven and there's all these this, these creatures and all sorts of crazy stuff going on and the throne of god and god is some like half rock half whatever it's kind of mind blowing and there's got to be somebody to like start the scrolls and start interpreting what's going on and who's going to do it and uh and then there's a voice that oh it's the lion of god it's the lion of god and they look and it is actually the lion of david maybe um and they look and it's this lamb that's standing as if slaughtered and i had a professor once that said that's an image of an animal well, first of all a lamb is such a a, a passive you know little frail creature but this lamb is one that's been killed but it hasn't fallen yet so it's at its least life-filled moment it's at its mm. most passive um and, and uh, vulnerable and vulnerable mm. yeah it's almost a it's almost just ridiculous in the irony of what is expected what we think we need to get the action going to get you know god's purposes going and it's this incredibly yeah um like yeah pa vulnerable passive uh small creature um and uh so it just reminds us i think that oftentimes the greatest things that we can do come from us in our most vulnerable places from our both in our world and uh in our own lives uh we don't need to be bombastic and strong and have lots of mm. weapons and all that sort of thing. So. Well, I had the privilege of teaching with you recently, and uh, you brought into the teaching of the book of Exodus your background from theater, uh, a little bit about tragedy and comedy, mm -hmm. and, and pointed out to um, around the room to our, our, the people that come to study with us how very often in world literature and in the Bible too, the Hebrew Bible and, and, and the New Testament, uh, it is the person who is seemingly the most insignificant. Yes. Seemingly the one of least stature, and in yes. this case, the kid yes. in the vision as well, uh, who comes and delivers the, the, the main right. message. I think uh, also one of the really important things about that truth that we find throughout Scripture is that it reminds us to always keep our eyes open and our hearts open to how God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. Because it's just a reminder, you can never guess. Our, our society, our culture, our own story-making will tell us who should be the one that's giving us the message. Uh, but in the Bible teaches us that he's usually not at all the person. So it's usually a surprising person. Mm. So uh, so look for the surprise. That's Chances are that's where God's at work. Yeah, so this, 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 uh, this from the mouth of babes, is, 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 as you mentioned, is quite famous. In Hebrew, mipi olalim. 
uh, there is a Jewish interpretive tradition that says um, that it's like the baby who has just been born. It's that initial the cry. The most vulnerable. Yeah. The most vulnerable, and yet the sign of life, right? Everybody's waiting for that baby to cry yes. Yes. And, and, to sh- and to show life. And the most life-affirming thing is the cry of a baby who, it seems, has no intentionality. Right. It's just, and yet there's a, there's a very important message there, as, as important as the stars. Yes. So, Pastor Jane, how about something else from this, this, this lovely, lovely song? Um, another thing that I was thinking about um, is something that I also look at in my comedy show, which is uh, the Bible Cabaret, a music and comedy review starring the Old and New Testaments, uh, which I perform from time to time and I hope to bring to Palm Springs sometime soon. But I think um, this psalm reflects back or is in concert with Genesis 1 and how God created the world in this beautifully ordered fashion leading up to the creation of humanity as the highest form of God's creative work. And God just, all that God has to do is say a couple words and and the next thing happens. And I mean, it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous how easy it is for God to bring all this beautiful, great, and then to leave, you know, that the crowning thing is man and woman. And I talk about how that is um, almost, it's a, it's a comic response for me to what would have been the prevailing creation myth in Babylon, where probably this, the Genesis 1, they think, was became part of the, at least the scholars I've listened to, became part of the, um, <clears throat> the sacred literature. And in Babylon, the creative myth is the Enumia Leash, which is this super violent battle of the gods uh, that, uh, well, I won't go into it now because you might be eating, but it's, it's just quite grotesque. And, uh, and at the end of the story, the human, humanity is created out of the guts of one of the losing gods. And humanity then is tasked with serving the gods as slaves. And I think that was probably from what I can tell, but I don't know a lot, but a, a prevailing, um, oftentimes the prevailing kind of story that imperial creation myths were about. It was about like the, the, the lessening of humankind and the sort of sacralizing their slavery to people in power. And the Genesis 1 is all about instead about how, no, human beings are God's greatest creation and created to be God's best friends and to get to know God and understand God. And that's why God gives them the task of being stewards of the universe and caring for them as God would. And, uh, so there's, uh, and I, there's that kind of reflection in this psalm as if the psalmist is thinking back on how wonderful that story of Genesis 1 is and how we are, this is such this magnificent world around us and we've gotten the huge privilege of caring for it and, and um, being good stewards of all this creative energy. And thinking about that just makes the psalmist want to say once again, oh God, how magnificent you are. You have let me in on this wonderful dream of yours. And, you know, to those in Yemelish well, yes. Believers and celebrants. Right. And, and very choo, much. Choo. You almost like think right. they're a little spinning up too, too, you Babylonian and you Yemelish people. Yeah. There are a number of ancient Near Eastern traditions that are 
based on violence and destruction. Yes. Which bring about construction, which what, what is stands out in our creation story, at least that particular creation story in Genesis 1, is that it's very constructive. Yes, and very and course, smooth. And because it's based on the word, on logo. Yeah. It's based on speech. Yes. Which brings us back to the beginning of the psalm, mi pi olalim, from the mouths of, of right. babies. The, mm-hmm. the importance of speech. Right. From, from the beginning to the end. Uh, you spoke before the meteor shower and going out in the stars and 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 why you were able to connect to this psalm as easily as you were in your rediscovering mm-hmm. your faith tradition. You know the name, of course, of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Uh-huh. Probably one of the most uh, famous quotes by Heschel is his talk about radical amazement. Oh. Radical amazement. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get up in the morning and say, wow. Yeah. The wow factor. Yes. And how that brings you a sense of humility, a sense of, of, of service to God. So, service is something greater, but you are you're motivated in many ways. And my generation, we're, we're to say our generation, but my generation of, of the Jewish community, you know, we went to summer camp and the, the people that taught us were the students of Heschel. Mm. So we got this and, and we were just after the age of hippies, but very much in connection with nature and the stars and the trees and a motivation from that to social action. Uh-huh. And I think that's where the two oh, of us, uh-huh. you know, the two of us, you and I, we share that um, on one hand, the drama, possibility of drama, positive drama in prayer and service, but also that we understand that it's really about changing this world for the better, mm-hmm. fixing this yes, world. Yes, being good stewards. What yes. are some of the things that you and your faith community are are involved in and considering being involved in now as far as changing the world here in Palm Springs? Well, um, we're, we're in a process of strategic planning right now, so we're kind of learning about what we might want to do. I know that there is, for example, um, a great desire in our congregation to uh, have family have children and, you know, have that kind of life in our congregation um, because of Palm Springs and the nature of the population and for any number of reasons, we don't find ourselves having a lot of, right now, a lot of families coming to worship on Sunday morning. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that that really have nothing to do with our church. A lot of it has to do with kind of family life today and how people understand the church today and this and that. And the fact that there really aren't a lot of families, I don't think, that live near us. The most of the families in Palm Springs, we're learning more and more, live on the edges of town and we're kind of in the middle of town. And uh, they, you know, they may be a different faith tradition. Coming to church may not, coming to our church may not be the number one priority they have right now. But there's certainly lots of ways that can get to know them and figure out how we might like to serve them. For example, we're having, we've had a big backpack campaign this last couple of months where we've raised money to buy backpacks. Uh, these backpacks in particular are going to go primarily to a school in Desert Hot Springs, which is our community. But everybody's really gotten into giving money, buying materials. This Sunday, we're having a big, you know, big blessing of the backpacks. We have 130 that we've purchased and, and filled with stuff that will help kids go to school and blessing that. Um, I'm uh, advocating for our church to get more and more involved in helping after school with or during school, volunteering with helping kids read uh, and just being a presence, being another adult presence for a lot of these children, many of whom live in poverty. 
may or may not have a lot of adults uh, or other adults besides their parents who are struggling. You know, that's, I mean, a different, you know, just have other adults in their life, giving them some ideas of uh, giving them confidence and, and love and all the kinds of things that uh, adults can give to kids, whether they know, you know, just by being themselves. Um, it was interesting when we had our, we had a community gathering, a, a community panel last week, and one of the gals uh, has been working with redistrib- redistricting the, the city and the fact that uh, our, uh, our council people don't tend to be representative of all the neighborhoods in the community, so they've redistricted the, the community so that uh, council people have to come from that area. And that there were, in fact, um, a lot of families uh, that uh, are low income that don't have a voice at the table right now. And one of the problems she discovered was because families might like to get more involved in government, but they don't, they can't afford childcare. So this particular person said, "You know, that's something you might do is is offer childcare during council meetings, so that people could come, or or when their community meetings or whatever." And then that would, and I thought, that, now that's something we could do. You know, we love babysitting. We've got a lot of people that love babysitting. And to do that, to help families get more involved in the city and, and help, I mean, that would be just a very creative way that we would be blessing our city and, and, and blessing our families in our city that uh, nobody's thought of yet. And so uh, there's there's lots of ways that we can be in that kind of ministry, even if it doesn't look like, again, it comes in the surprising ways, not in the ways that we would expect. So I'm, I'm, you know, hoping with my congregation, we can continue to kind of see with God's eyes, what opportunities are around us, um, and let go of kind of our own image of what we think it should look like, or, you know, what, what's the right way to do something or whatever, which is essentially just based on our own experience, which is you know great, but it may not be really speaking to what the situation is presently. Well, this is this is lovely for me to hear you describe what your church does because there's a lot more that you didn't mention now that has to do with feeding the hungry that you do. Yes, we do a lot. Of- and and what I understand is because we were studying this psalm and about from the mouths of the children, the babes, that's where your focus went. And I bring that up because very often. Um, the prayers that we say, the psalms that we might recite, we're doing in a mechanical way. We're doing it in a way just to say the words and and maybe we're set in our meaning, but they have an influence on how we speak afterwards. Oh, they yes. influence mm-hmm. where we're going in our minds and our spirits. Yes. And I think that's what happened right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I think you're yeah, right. I think yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. very cool. Well, Pastor Jane, this has been absolutely wonderful to sit with you. and It's always a pleasure, Rabbi. Yeah, and that we look forward to many, 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 many uh, joint ventures together. And all are invited. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California, We'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, 
you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.